Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are gearing up for festive family functions by setting clear boundaries that encourage us to engage while focusing on our own self-care. Now that may sound like another thing to tackle, like cleaning the bathroom, changing the sheets, removing the dog hair, and setting the table, but just wait. With the right balance, you can manage both with ease. Picture it, some soulful jazz in the background, Festive candles aglow, scenting the room and setting the mood. With the food prep completed and an hour left on the turkey, you've got your feet up enjoying a little pumpkin spice latte, allowing yourself a well-deserved break before company arrives. And... Goodbye, serenity. Hello, familiar dysfunction and soon-to-be heartburn. Happy holidays. Sound familiar? Well, of course, not in my house. I'm not sure how it goes down in your world, but for many, this rings true. Maybe you only have to get yourself ready and a one-pot wonder to contribute. You park at the back for an easy exit and have no problem with excusing yourself and packing up your leftovers before you have a chance to hit the hot seat. Maybe you have already established some clear boundaries and scenes like these are a thing of the past. Congratulations. For everyone else, hang in there. Finding harmony during family functions can feel like an ill-fated attempt, but don't we want a picture-perfect holiday? So let's dig in and gain some new insights on setting boundaries for a blissful family function. Over at MedCircle.com, I found more information on understanding the definition of boundaries to kick us off. Just like fences separate physical property, relational boundaries refer to the limits a person has with another person. Your boundaries are your personal guidelines for how you expect other people to treat you. In a healthy family system, each person assumes responsibility for their part in keeping the system balanced and safe. For example, a parent might set a boundary against unwanted behaviors like cursing, hitting, or stealing. A spouse might request that his partner doesn't share their private information with outside friends. A mother might ask her daughter to call her when she arrives at a friend's house. Healthy boundaries can and should be fluid. This means that they ebb and flow based on each family system, and there isn't a right or wrong way to use them. However, effective boundaries are concise and defined. There isn't any guessing what the other person wants. While issues are inevitable in every family system, some families have chronic, unhealthy boundaries that perpetuate a sense of dysfunction. There are numerous kinds of problematic boundaries, and they aren't always apparent. So, here are some examples of unhealthy boundaries. Invading your privacy. All people need privacy and personal space. These needs should be understood and respected. Invading your privacy may include reading through your messages or emails, going through your bedroom without knocking, persistently asking and probing for personal information, and gaslighting. Gaslighting is a manipulation tactic where someone attempts to make you second-guess yourself. Gaslighting can occur in any relationship, 
but it's common in people with a narcissistic personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder. If someone gaslights you, they may deny that they did a certain thing altogether after being accused of it. They may attempt to blame you for issues that reflect more than one person in the dynamic or try to convince you that other people don't like you. They also tell blatant outright lies. They try to convince you that you're too emotional or act incongruently. Their words don't match their actions. They can accuse you of doing the things they're actually doing themselves or tell you that everyone else lies to you and that only they are telling the truth. They could also have a lack of regard for your emotional well-being. Even in healthy relationships, people disagree and must rely on a compromise to solve specific problems. In dysfunctional dynamics, one person tends to dominate the rest of the system. They appear to have little regard for anyone else's emotions or thoughts. These individuals seem to only have their best interests at heart, even if it's at the expense of someone else's safety. Many times, this family member has tremendous authority over everyone else. Others fear upsetting this person, so they will usually give in to their demands just to maintain a sense of peace. Attempting to control you. This is often seen in dysfunctional parent-child dynamics, and both parties play a role in the dynamic. On the one hand, the parent makes the executive decision on behalf of their child. They often assume that the child is inept at critical thinking, and they also worry about what would happen if they didn't make the right decision. And even though we're using the word child here, we all know that you can be treated as a child into your elderly years. Because the child has been accustomed to this pattern for their whole life, they often feel helpless without the parent's guidance. Therefore, they may not even identify this behavior as controlling. Instead, it seems like typical parenting. Often, once the child starts pursuing their own independence, the parent lashes out with extreme anger or resistance. In extreme cases, they might make threats or cut off the child from the family. Lack of consistent boundaries. Children thrive in structured environments. They benefit from having supportive parents who clearly articulate their expectations for them. For this reason, a lack of boundaries or inconsistent boundaries can be extremely problematic. Children need parents who can teach and guide them. They should not be responsible for making adult decisions before they're ready to do so. Even if they act maturely, that does not mean they're capable of taking care of themselves. Inconsistent boundaries look like having no boundaries at all, setting very strict boundaries, often with threats, but failing to implement them, disciplining children harshly without explaining what they did wrong, failing to have a united front, one parent is overly strict and the other is overly lenient, or allowing children to set the boundaries for younger children. Poor communication. In unhealthy family relationships, poor communication is rampant. People often scream over each other. They may act aggressively or passive aggressively when they don't get their way. Silent treatment may be common. Poor communication tends to be passed down from generation to generation. 
Children often learn how to talk to others by observing their parents. If the communication patterns are toxic, they will often perpetuate the vicious cycle. So it's essential to consider the different boundaries you may want to set in your life. While your family may be the focal point, you can start by focusing on all your boundary needs. There are four types of boundaries. Physical boundaries. What kind of rules do you want to maintain about your physical body and personal space? How much distance do you need between you and another person? What are your rules about sex and intimacy? What kind of affection will you accept or give to others? Emotional boundaries. What boundaries do you have related to your thoughts and feelings? Can you separate your feelings from other people's feelings? Do you blame yourself if someone else is struggling? How do you intend to relate to people if they have beliefs that are vastly different from your own? Financial boundaries. What are your guidelines for lending, giving, or donating money to others? Do you plan to jump in and rescue if someone faces financial hardship? What kind of financial support will you accept yourself? Moral boundaries. What are your morals and values, and what happens if someone crosses them? If you intend to address the discrepancy, how do you intend to do that? Identifying your boundaries is one thing. Setting them is an entirely different story. Many people fear boundaries because they worry about hurting the people they love. Additionally, they don't want to be perceived as mean, punitive, or overly dramatic. You may also be afraid of offending someone you care about deeply, being met with extreme defensiveness or anger, losing the relationship altogether, your own ability to actually set the boundary, being disrespected regardless of the boundary, or being laughed at or ignored. It's important to identify which fears resonate the most with you. Eliminating all fear isn't part of the goal. Setting boundaries may still feel scary, and that's normal. This awareness can help you develop insight into certain patterns. It can also help you identify the steps you need to take next. So, want to know how to set a boundary with a family member? First, it's important to reflect on exactly which boundary you want to set. If you have several boundaries in mind, that's okay. It's important to address only one boundary at a time. If you dump a bunch of boundaries on someone simultaneously, it can be overwhelming and confusing. This strategy can also increase the likelihood of the other person feeling attacked. Identify exactly what's hurting you. Most of the time, the need for boundaries comes from a place of disrespect. You must reflect on exactly what's hurting you in the dynamic. If your first instinct is everything, slow down and consider the situation. Do you feel like the other person doesn't respect your time, your generosity, your home? Do you feel like the other person doesn't care about your feelings or your spouse or your job? Try to hone in on the specific details ahead of time. Choose a neutral time for your discussion. Although it may seem like a great idea to establish your boundaries in the middle of a conflict, this method rarely works. You don't want to assert your needs when emotions are already heightened. If you do this, you're more likely to come across as demanding or hostile. Instead, choose a neutral time and location. If you've decided to set a boundary after a contentious argument, 
wait a few days until your feelings have simmered. Ideally, you want to have a calm and level-headed discussion. Speak using I statements. When people feel frustrated with someone else, they often jump to quick generalizations or accusations about their behavior. They may use extreme language like you always or you never. These kind of statements tend to make people feel angry and defensive. I statements enable you to share your feelings without making assumptions about other people. They require that you own personal accountability for your own actions. The I statement formula is fairly simple and it follows the format of I feel blank when you blank. Afterward, you can also add a I need blank. This will help reinforce what you expect the boundary to be. For example, let's say your mother continues to disregard your rules when she babysits your child. You might frame your I statement to say, I feel disrespected when you give Michael candy before dinner. I need him to eat his meal before he has any sweets. Sounds reasonable enough. Validate the other person. When people feel understood, they're less likely to become combative. It's a good idea to consider how you want to validate your loved one as you set your boundaries. Some examples of validation include, I care about you deeply. I know it wasn't your intention to hurt me. I can see how much you care about us. I know you're going through so much right now. You're such a wonderful, loving person. It means so much to me that you're willing to listen to what I have to say. I appreciate your support. Know the consequences. It's not enough to just set a boundary without intending to implement it. Ideally, your loved one can respect your needs and make accommodations to compromise. This doesn't always happen and it's important to be prepared. You should identify your consequences ahead of time and outline them to your loved one. Remember that consequences aren't inherently synonymous with punishment. They are simply there to reinforce your limits. Boundaries can be as strict as you need them to be. However, they should send a clear message that you're no longer willing to tolerate unwanted behavior. Let's say your mother continues to give your child candy throughout the day, even after you've asked her to stop. A consequence could be prohibiting her from babysitting your child for a week, or it could be installing a nanny cam and requiring that she use it when she's unsupervised. Consistency is the most important component of setting boundaries. When dynamics have been occurring for many years, you can't implement a rule one time and expect the other person to comply fully. You may need to continuously remind them of your needs and reinforce the boundaries as needed. Many people need to create boundaries with people living with narcissistic personality disorder or displaying narcissistic traits. Setting boundaries with family isn't easy, but learning this skill is crucial to your growth and overall well-being. Just because someone loves you doesn't mean that they have the right to disrespect you. You're allowed to have limits, both physically and emotionally, and it's important to honor them. And we all know the holidays can be super stressful. I typically stress because I want everything to go off without a hitch. I mean, who doesn't? For me, it's a little bit different, but it might resonate with you and your family. I'm an empty nester, so all my children are adults. They've moved on, they're doing their own thing. So those dynamics have changed. I'm not waking them up and 
getting them to brush their teeth and hair and put on something acceptable for family pictures during the function, but instead I'm setting a time for them to arrive and pacing the floor waiting for them to get here. You know, at Christmas time, they might be sitting up on the balcony waiting to come down till they're released to look into their stockings. And now we have a two-hour lunch in the middle of the afternoon. It's just different. So I don't know if this rings true to you, but if you don't see your children all the time, there's that moment of anxiety, you know, wanting everything to be perfect. And also those moments of trying to play catch up. You know, getting over that level of, hey, we haven't talked in a little while. What's up with you? Let's just start getting comfortable with each other. It feels like when we get into a rhythm, it's time to go, you know? And I definitely feel responsible for making people feel comfortable. So I'm continuously jumping up and grabbing things and, you know, trying to make sure so-and-so is talking to so-and-so and that everybody feels comfortable, accepted, respected, whatever that may be. I also have a very outspoken family. And since we don't get together all that often, it seems like we're all jumping in, trying to get our time in the spotlight to talk about us or what is going on in our lives. So it can just be a whirlwind of communication, almost so rapidly fired that when everyone leaves, I'm not really sure what we all said. Does anyone else feel like that? You know, I can remember back in the day, of course, we were going to my grandmother's, so, and she didn't live close to us. So it wasn't a, you know, two hour dinner and you're out the door. We would basically stay all day and overnight. So I remember it being a much more longer, drawn out process a lot of football, a lot of get out of the kitchen, we're still cooking, a lot of tinfoil, a lot of unwrapping and rewarming of food. It just seemed like a bigger deal. And now I host because I have the largest area to host everyone. Not that I have a great big family, but still. But I feel like it's quick. I feel like there's more leading up to a function than the function itself. I've tried different things. I've tried to have like maybe a simple spread where everything is ready to go. Come and go as you want. Don't worry about what time it is. Not a big deal. And I can't seem to make that work either because then I get anxious. So-and-so is not here. You've already finished your first plate. How are we all going to have harmony in this family function if everybody's at a different time and place in the meal? I guess I'm just not a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, go-with-the-flow kind of gal. So if you're struggling that way too, I hear you. And all I can say is, let's make a commitment to ourselves. As we enter the holiday season, let's make a commitment to ourselves. Let's just let go. Just let it go. Something doesn't work out right, no big deal. Let's just try to focus on connections, spending time with our loved ones. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Just let go and relax. Kristen Lee, a licensed social worker, answers the question, why is it so hard to set boundaries? Found at psychologytoday.com. Oftentimes, it signifies a deeper value set. 
If you're the type that always wants to be there for people who you care about, it's because you value relationships. If you're the one at work who says yes to every project, it reflects on how much you value learning. But when we only say yes, we might be missing chances to invest our time and energy in ways that help us take our values and goals to new levels. You might suffer from FOMO. That is the fear of missing out. The thought of missing any kind of opportunity for growth, fun, recognition, or something that leads to a feel-good result catapults you into a sea of overcommitment and perpetual quest for experience. FOMO reflects a desire for excitement, mobility, connection, and adventure. On a healthy day, this can help you learn and engage in dynamic ways. Operating in the extreme can lead to constant chaos and little time to be more selective and intentional in your activities and how you relate to your long-term goals. Perfectionism. You'd rather eat the stress than let someone else down. You want to bring your absolute best to everyone and everything you must set out to do. You believe that saying no might be a sign of weakness or a moral failing. On a healthy day, your conscience serves you well. It helps you stay focused and striving for excellence. When you take it too far, you become obsessed with performance and end up with a high sensitivity to mistakes and feedback that is anything but glowing. This can lead you into impulsively saying yes to please people and to redeem or to prove yourself. Social conditioning. Our identities are often tied up in how much we're doing for people. This is especially true for women who have been in positions where emotional labor, the work of nurturing and tending to people's emotions, is expected and demanded. Some researchers have called this the third shift, the part of life that requires us to write out the holiday cards, make sure no one forgets the aunt who lives alone, and that everyone is using their sonic care toothbrushes. We've long held the seat as relationship managers, orchestrators of all things holiday, and holding space for everyone whenever they need it. Double whammy for cultures and communities emphasizing such norms of self-sacrifice. If you're living your life, like Jim Carrey auditioning for Yes Man, it's time for a change. Too many yeses can leave us exhausted and missing out on greater opportunities to stay focused on the kinds of goals that help us flourish. So here are some ways to develop healthier boundaries. Define what's most important to you. What are your core values? How are they showing up in your daily life? Look at the big picture. Living your life like a superhero wannabe can exhaust even the most earnest, noble-hearted of humans. Let your no be someone else's yes. Say no to less important things and yes to the ones that truly matter. Buy time. If an opportunity presents itself, ask for time to consider the request. Go back to your values and ask yourself, is it the right fit at this moment? Is there a sense of urgency? Will this opportunity come up again? If someone is requesting a favor of me, will they be capable or willing to help me out down the road if I need it? 
Does this new commitment infringe too dramatically on my ability to properly engage in my own self-care practices like sleep, meditation, me time? What is the value add of engaging with this? What potential risks and benefits exist? Does this commitment truly align with my values and goals? Practice saying no. Ready? On three. One, two, three. No. Dr. B.J. Fogg of Stanford emphasizes the value of mental rehearsal on our capacity to change behavior. Come up with a few one-liners to help you avoid on-the-spot pressure. Try, that sounds like a great opportunity and I want to help. Is it okay if I give it some time to think about it? I'd love to, but I know I'm overcommitted and won't be able to give this time it deserves. Can you approach me again on this in a few weeks? It's really hard for me to say no, but I have to on this. The secret to setting boundaries is permitting yourself to live true to your values, not everyone else's demands and agendas. You can't say yes to everyone and everything and still stay healthy. I, for one, am horrible at saying no. Actually, I used to be horrible at saying no. I just would always avoid uncomfortable situations. I used to say it's avoiding conflict. I hate conflict. But, you know, saying no doesn't mean there's always going to be a conflict. I think we just set ourselves up for that. We think the moment we say no to someone, it's going to be an enormous ordeal. They're going to be so let down. We've just completely dropped the ball. I mean, not even realizing that we might have been the third, fourth, or fifth person they've asked. Like, not everything rests on our shoulders. But when you're in the thick of that kind of behavior, it's hard to remember that. You know, so we just avoid avoid these uncomfortable situations. And sometimes that's where little white lies come in. Now, we say we're just justifying why we're saying no, but sometimes the justifications are not real. You know, we just make excuse after excuse to kind of get ourselves off the hook. You know, getting them to a level of acceptance, even though it's in our mind that they're not going to be accepting of what we say, right? Like they're asking you a question. So that's a 50-50 shot. (laughs) You're either going to say yes or no. So I'm pretty sure they're prepared for the no. But we don't think that. So we start saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that because blah, 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 blah. And what happens after because could be all kinds of things, whatever you can pull out of your hat. But the problem is, then you need to remember what you've said, right? How about just saying no? No, and then some silence. I'd really like to, but I can't. Is that uncomfortable? Boy, I appreciate you thinking of me, but it's not going to work for me. Silence. Might be uncomfortable for you, but it's not for them. And I urge you Give it a try. Stick with it. Saying no with silence is a healthy boundary. On the Better Health channel, I found some insight on family conflict. 
Conflict can happen when family members have different views or beliefs that clash. Sometimes conflict can occur when people misunderstand each other and jump to the wrong conclusion. Issues of conflict that are not resolved peacefully can lead to arguments and resentment. It's normal to disagree with each other from time to time. Occasional conflict is part of family life. However, ongoing conflict can be stressful and damaging to relationships. Some people find it difficult to manage their feelings and become intentionally hurt, aggressive, or even violent. Communicating in a positive way can help reduce conflict so that family members can reach a peaceful resolution. This usually means that everyone agrees to a compromise or agrees to disagree. Sometimes strong emotions or the power imbalances that can be present in relationships are difficult to resolve and can only be addressed in a counseling situation. Here are some common causes of family conflict. It's well recognized that some of the stages a family goes through can cause conflict, like learning to live as a new couple, birth of a baby, birth of other children, a child going to school, a child becoming a young person, a young person become an adult. Each of these stages can create new and different stresses and potential conflict. Changes in the family situation can also take a toll on family and contribute to conflict, like separation or divorce, moving to a new house or country, traveling long distance to work, a change in financial circumstances. The opinions, values, and needs of each person can also change and they may find they're no longer compatible. Agreeing to negotiate. Usually, our first angry impulse is to push the point that we are right and win the argument at any cost. Sound like your family function? Finding a peaceful solution can be difficult, if not impossible with both parties stubbornly stick to their guns. It helps if everyone decides as a family to try listening to each other and negotiating instead. So here are some suggestions. Work out if the issue is worth fighting over. Try to separate the problem from the person. Try to cool off first if you feel too angry to talk calmly. Keep in mind that the idea is to resolve the conflict, not win the argument. Remember that the other party isn't obligated to always agree with you on everything. Define the problem and stick to the topic. Respect the other person's point of view by paying attention and listening. Talk clearly and responsibly. Try to find points of common ground. Agree to disagree. Try and listen. Conflict can escalate when the people involved are too angry to listen to each other. Misunderstandings fuel arguments. So try to stay calm and put your emotions aside. Don't interrupt the other person while they're speaking. Actively listen to what they're saying and what they mean. Check that you understand them by asking questions. Communicate your side of the story clearly and honestly. Resist the urge to bring up other unresolved but unrelated issues. Work as a team. Once both parties understand the views and feelings of others, you can work out a solution together. Come up with as many possible solutions as you can. Be willing to compromise. 
make sure everyone understands the chosen solution. Once the solution is decided on, stick with it. Write it down as a contract if necessary. There are services available to help family members work through difficult issues of conflict, so if needed, seek professional advice. Just remember, conflict can happen when family members have different views or beliefs that clash. Peaceful resolution depends on negotiation and respect for other person's point of view. Seek professional advice if you think you need help. Don't forget, even if you're hosting, you can take control of your own self-care while nurturing your guests. Take a time out. Suggest a nice stroll to walk off dinner. You could also refocus everyone on a game if things start to get a little bit chaotic. Get others involved in prep, serving, or of course, clean up. Revisit happy memories by interviewing the elders. That's always really fun. Have somebody take notes. Pull out the scrapbook and take some new photos for the day. Maybe even create a suggestion box for future menu ideas, activities, or even locations. Feel free to set a topic boundary. No politics or negative messages. Ask everyone to elaborate on what they're grateful for. And here's an extended list just to give you some ideas for the upcoming holidays. Have a festive decorations contest. Encourage a sense of friendly competition by organizing a festive decorations contest. Assign different areas of the house to family members or groups and let them unleash their creativity. How about a holiday recipe swap? Extend the holiday spirit by organizing a recipe swap among family members. Each participant can bring copies of their favorite holiday recipe and everyone can exchange ideas and tips. What about a craft corner? Set up a designated area for crafting holiday decorations. Provide materials for making ornaments, wreaths, or even festive crafts. Movie marathon. After the meal, gather everyone around the TV for a family-friendly movie marathon. Choose a selection of holiday classics or let each family member pick their favorite film. How about a dessert station that's interactive? This could have various toppings, sauces, and creative options for everyone to customize their own desserts. A gratitude jar. You could place a decorated jar on the table along with slips of paper and pen. Throughout the dinner, encourage family members to write down things that they're grateful for, whether it's a specific moment from the day, a cherished memory, or simply the presence of their loved ones. Then you could read these notes aloud before dessert. Holiday Carol Karaoke. Embrace the holiday spirit. Create a playlist in advance or let family members choose their favorite songs. This lively activity not only adds a musical touch to the gathering, but also encourages everyone to participate in the merriment. You could have a secret gift exchange. Now, this doesn't just have to be at Christmas time, it could be even a fun food gift over different holidays throughout the year. Set a budget, have members draw names, or you could do the naughty gift exchange where people steal from each other. Isn't that encouraging? How about a story time for the kiddos? 
Create a cozy corner for the younger family members and have an older family member or guest read holiday-themed stories aloud. You could also have a virtual connection with any of your absent family members. If some of your family members cannot attend in person, consider setting up a virtual connection through video conferencing. This allows absent members to join in the festivities, share greetings, and participate in the holiday dinner virtually. Remember, the goal of a family holiday dinner is to create a warm and joyous atmosphere where everyone feels connected and appreciated. Tailor these ideas to suit your family's traditions and preferences, and most importantly, enjoy the precious moments spent together during the holiday season. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, take a big breath and a step back. Use gratitude as your platform to build a functional and festive family get-together. Lead by example sharing your calm and welcoming light, even when chaos threatens to extinguish it. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Somewhere through until the path was clear That's when I found you How I